Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. You are listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast, the third coast of Texas. The darkest truths from the darkest web need to be told. And you must listen to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. And it is my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank you all those who are supporting the channel and following. Um, Anchor has now switched its name to Spotify, or sorry, pod, Spotify for Podcasters. Yeah, that's right, Spotify for Podcasters. So the Anchor FM um, home base is now the Spotify for Podcasters home base. And, but everything else is the same. Um, the podpage.com website is staying the same and everything, just that Anchor. Uh, HQ is going through, it's from a top-down thing, a buyout or whatever. Uh, it was already Spotify's, but they just streamlined it by changing the name and the appearance of the page and all that. But still, we've uh, achieved so much support that we can now make our episodes free. So I really encourage you, if you are sitting on the fence, to go ahead and donate a dollar through Cash App, volunteer to, to give a tip or a donation, um, I'm seriously considering trying to get Patreon another go, but remember, two Patreon channels were deplatformed underneath me. So my name is uh, blackballed and blacklisted from the Patreon uh, bullshit. But trying to start maybe a type of uh, creator type thing um, elsewhere, definitely in the cards. But for right now, the best way to support me is by joining the Anchor FM subscription. It is a uh, token amount of appreciation, cheaper than a movie ticket in most big cities through AMC. So cheaper than a movie ticket, and you get access to over 90 exclusive interviews and episodes from the uh, archives back to the very first incarnation of the episode of the podcast itself under different names, uh, with many great guests over many great topics and subjects. That will just blow your mind and totally, you know, swing open the doors of perception, etc. All that. So, thank you all very much. You have supported and are subscribed. You know who you are. Thank you all very much. Deep down from the bottom of my heart, you guys help this channel keep going. Where we are a, um, essentially a non-profit because everything is circulated back into the project itself, the podcast, the videos, the actual attempts to go and hunt evidence, buying equipment, all of that. So you are helping out just increase the production value. You are helping out increase the possibilities that I have at creating content and distributing it um, so far so good and hopefully getting better throughout the year. 
the numbers, the increased amount of viewership is mind-blowing, and the charts are there to prove it. Recently, we went number one in Mongolia for science fiction podcasts, and absolutely, I'm going to start giving more recognition where that is due because it is an amazing amount of pride and satisfaction I have in that accomplishment. You guys know that it is the voice of the people, that this is a podcast for the people, that this is a podcast by a person. <laughs> so. A real person, not an NBC, not a shill, not a uh, deep state agent, not a Freemason, and a wolf in sheep's clothing, um, Satanist, Luciferian, etc., NWO puppet or shill. Basically, I am you, and you are me. If you are listening to this right now, you know that it's destiny that we all exchange these ideas and hear this. If you've been listening to me for the last three years, you know it's the same. Uh, for those who find me, however you find me, because I am so shadow banned, this is a literal act of God. This is a literal miracle on earth that you are finding and listening to this right now. Um, over literally directed energy airwaves, um, as if though it's magic. Remember, all technology is magic. All magic is technology. So I call it Dreamland, because it really is... Uh, now a land of dreams because of so much information flying through the air. But let's get into today's episode. We're going to be talking about the American Wars, the Wars for Conquest of America. Uh, many people have never, ever heard of the amount of true wars, the actual specific wars that we've engaged in as a nation. Um, and moving forward into the future when I know for a fact there will be a push for a direct involvement in a major war for this decade, uh, just like there always is. I would like to keep this information um, out there and free to the public because it's extremely educational to know how closely tied America's history is with wars of conquest and wars of aggression. Uh, wars of racial persecution and wars of tribal uh, genocide and how firmly based the American history is on the corrupted versions of these as well as the hidden truths behind these and how America has established itself as a world empire controlling all of uh, North America down to South America um as well as engaging in an absolute um, rewriting and whitewashing of its history to satisfy its colonial and, and manifest destiny uh, goals. Now, this obviously has been said before. I've said it before. They've rewritten history. They reclaimed all the ancient cities of the old empires that used to exist here, uh, which was biblical lands, which was the lands of Mesopotamia, as it's understood in conventional archaeology and history currently, um, that the absolute Freemasonic origins of the Federalist United States system when it was conquered and co-opted back into Britain during the War of 1812 uh, will prove that it was basically wolf in sheep's clothing tactics where they reclaimed the control of the company and then fought an endless amount of wars 
with the literal Native Americans, the people born in America, not dependent on their race or ethnic origin or European association or etc. But people actually born here from the colonization efforts onward of uh, the many different tribes, the many different intermarriages, the many different generations of what we would call traditional indigenous aboriginal peoples then Spanish settlers, French settlers, British settlers, etc., 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 over the course of hundreds of years, literally hundreds of years. People don't need to put that into perspective, but say, for example, the American Revolution happening in the 1770s was 300 years since the, or uh, roughly 200 years and some change after the quote-unquote Spanish a discovery of America, the new world. So, uh, longer than, you know, the co- the current United States has existed. Uh, it's a lot of time, and a lot of population can rise within that time. So, we're dealing with already firmly rooted, culturally aboriginal societies of European and Native American hybrids, or intermarriages, um, basically the creation of the Creole, plus the truth that they're having to hide, that there are just remnants and remainders and survivors of ancient world uh, cultures, such as the ancient Isis worshippers of Mesopotamia, and the Gulf, or Mexopotamia, rather, the Gulf Coast of Mexico and America, the Gulf Coast, the Caribbean, etc., the uh, Creek Indians, which are the true origins of all Greek mythology, including uh, dress, pantheon worship, engineering, etc., and um, the various mound builder Mississippian cultures, which would become known as the Tecumseh Confederation, as well as the um, various fragmented um, but still major Native American tribes like the Sioux and. Um, Eventually, the Midwestern Plains Indians, like the uh, Comanche and, um, you know, the, the, the Iroquois, as well as, you know, the discovery of the Southwest, which is absolutely biblical Mesopotamia in the sense of, like, uh, Arabic and uh, more mountainous uh, locations, such as, uh, you know, Turkey and... Um, now, even Babylon itself, which which is almost undeniable once you look at the archaeology of, say, the Pueblos or the Hopi or, you know, the Anasazi and the ideas of the Grand Canyon civilization, including Egyptian or almost unmistakably Egyptian, archae- um, you know, archaeological artifacts, temples. Um, there are even discoveries of Buddhas suggesting even a more esoteric Inclusion of, well, if it is Mesopotamia in the biblical lands, they are physically connected to Asia, or what our concept of Asia currently is, including the reality, the almost undeniable reality that the Chinese and the Japanese have ethnic lineage and similarity relationship with Native Americans of the Pacific Northwest as well as South Americans of the Pacific Coast. And that um, the Chinese even ha- either had a colony 
in North America, lasting hundreds of years independently, and explored the North American coasts extensively, um, especially around California, with the Zhang, uh, I think it was Zhang Hu's uh, fleet of the 14th century, which were the largest wooden ships ever constructed by man up to that point. And they were used specifically for world exploration. Um, but because China is such an insular and walled-off community, when he returned, the files were basically kept closely guarded secrets by the emperor. And um, very little communication in Western academia has occurred until the you know late 20th century, basically, or even before that. <laughs> um or just maybe a little bit slightly before that, maybe even the, the 19th century, but it's not considered um, as influential or well-known. I mean, definitely is very obscure, but they explored much more geography or much more territory than Magellan or uh, Marco Polo, for example. Um, definitely more than Christopher Columbus. And, and they had discovered the North American continent independently, as well as explored South America and rounded the Cape uh, Cape Horn of Africa. They had rounded the south end of Africa, which was a you know feat upon itself. Um, even having probably even discovered Australia, it's theorized, but the you know West is almost ignorant of that fact. That I believe is the other way around. That <laughs> the Chinese ethnotype and ethno-civilization that we understand it uh, is independent from the Han Chinese. They are not the Han Chinese. Um, the Han Chinese is one group of them that is dominant now culturally because of the geography of where China is. But before they were even called China, this was called, um, I believe, Formosa. Um, the colonists, the Chinese colonized Asia with these fleets not the other way around that there was not a colony from Asia to America that existed on the Pacific Coast independently of the Spanish or even of awareness because there was such a far distance that they didn't even discover it and may have had only a brief discovery with uh, the British are Russians that were exploring Alaska and um, the Yukon territories in Canada because they were in the Vancouver or British Columbia area. I would also suggest that this is their native land and um, the Pacific Northwest Indians were just different expressions of the same ethnoculture. Also, appearance-wise... The Han Chinese descended from these people who are like the Eskimos and like the Snake River people and etc. etc. And even the descendants of these Formosans, the original, um, you know, um, Asiatic peoples, became the Plains Native Americans, such as the Sioux uh, or such as the Iroquois or the Kiowa, you know, the, the Comanche that these were actually descendants of, uh, and even maybe ultimately the Aztec themselves, which would put a whole new spin on the interconnectivity of all people 
especially within this new diagram of existence, which is uh, all the biblical and ancient world happened within North America, or South America, you know, respectively. It basically the same difference between Africa and Europe, or the Middle East and Europe. Um, basically, it's happening, or, or maybe the East and, like, the Near East and the Orient, or the, or the Pacific Indo-China area. They're both happening independently, but they are literally interconnected, and you could walk from one into the other, if you so chose at that time, if you were able to. Now, you could actually have gone from North America, from the very extremists of North America to Alaska, to the uh, very extremists of South America, Patagonia, and seen the entirety of the ancient world, much of the same way as if you walked from South Africa to, um, I don't know, Sweden. But you'll never hear this, and you'll never know the truth, because history is written by the victors. Now, that tr that's not a Churchill quote, and I know exactly the truth of Churchill, and ironically, it embodies the quote itself, with Churchill having been, quote-unquote, the victor, and basically rewriting history, uh, because Britain would have been painted as a fucking arch-villain in World War II if they had been defeated, and their reputation would never have survived. That would have been literally the end of the British Empire if they had lost World War II, um, which they did. And it's very interesting to think about that, because they did, and that was the end of Britain. Yeah, they survived, but it was a pariah victory. And um, because we know the truth that the Third Reich actually just left, it just escaped, and became the Dark Fleet, not Waffen, um, Fourth Reich in Antarctica, South America, and colonies off-planet, that it... Exactly. Who really won here? The the British, and they did not. And if you look at history, they, this is not the course of victory. The British um, absolutely were hijacked by real entities and driven into um, dissolution and poverty. And they become literally a shadow of their former self because they, to the victor, history is written by the victors. And it's not the truth. And it could be a completely false history, which is exactly what I'm saying. It's to, history is written by the victors. And the victors, in this case, being the Freemasonic American Federalists, um, who over time were hijacked themselves by um, the original British colonies and are now rebelling and controlling... Like, you know, they've already rebelled against and are now controlling militarily um, the nations of the world as basically the both the physical and economic hitmen, the literal and economic hitmen of the world itself, the World Banks, uh, and the puppet, the facade of the Earth Alliance and its many breakaway civilizations, which are in their origins, occult secret societies that use militaries, such as the United States military and the Pentagon, and its five branches, or now six branches, sorry, now six branches. Um, so it's now the Hexagon, and I think it's weird that no one's ever brought that up. That the Pentagon, since Space Force was created, now has six sides, and it's now called the Hexagon. So the Hexagon... Uh, current Hexcon iteration, right, whatever former iteration it was, too, 
uh, has always been a front for both funding, training, and the development, research and development of technologies that are used exclusively by secret societies operating both within them and outside them and have authority over the common United States military. Everyone who knows about ufology to the extremists knows that uh, this is true, that the U.S. Air Force operates legally so that the Black Projects and the Majestic 12 uh, elements the shadow military can operate clandestinely and covertly within America, bypassing the laws that only affect the legal white world operations of, say, the Air Force. Uh, so, black helicopters, men in black, uh, the black UN soldiers, unmarked blue berets, red berets, etc. around the world. Um, this is where the real action is, as it were. This is what's operating in the shadows, and this is what's been operating in the shadows in almost every single one of these wars, but it has been completely whitewashed and hidden, but only by the declaration of the wars themselves can you actually start piecing together the puzzle, and only by the actually seeing how extensive the list goes can you make any sense of it. Now, we're going to be getting into it. Uh, this might be a multi-part episode. Um, but right now we're going to be speaking about the 18th and 19th century uh, war. So basically from the 1700s to the year 1900. Um, so this is literally from the American Revolution to the beginning of the 20th century, the modern world. You know how I think that the world had a great cataclysm somewhere around the 1830s to 1860s. And that um, the thousand years was added on to at that point. So this is the 1776, right? Or even um, there is discussion about a great flood in um, Buddhist cultures that are, no, uh, I think it was Peruvian cultures and Buddhist cultures that because their calendar is at the year 6,000, um, and Freemasons actually have the same calendar too, that it's the, currently the year 6,000 or something equivalent to that, right? So, but in there, 1,776, that there was a great flood or a great cataclysm, a great disaster. But it's very interesting that this culture had a, uh, has at the year 1,776, of their 6,000-year linear progressive calendar without the AD or BC part of it. It's just 6,000, um, you know, something in their calendar. I'm kind of blanking on the ideas right now, but the idea of I'm thinking about is 1776 as the natural, as the date of the great cataclysm or the great uh, disaster, uh, right, the great flood, Um And this is the actual date of the revolution, 1775, 1783, but 1776 being the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. Um, and maybe this entire event was just that Americans and the entire British colony, the idea of the empire falling apart was the great cataclysm. The great deluge was a mental one, or maybe this actual cataclysm occurred, and then because everything was an absolute apocalypse, um, 
everyone decided to, you know, rush for as much power and uh, take advantage of the chaos, especially this Freemasonic element that was, you know, the Bavarian Illuminati, which also has its birth at 1776. It could have been a spiritual flood. It could have been a spiritual flood of discontent, rebellion, and, um, you know, absolutely maybe a resurgence or reincarnation on the earth of uh, deists, a pantheon, a Greek-type pantheon, enlightenment gods, Uh, quote-unquote. The enlightenment code itself, enlightenment being um, both the, quote, like I said, the the Illuminati's... um, purveyance and basically infiltration of American Congress or American Founding Fathers were all Freemasons as well as the worship of Isis and Toth and Hermes Transmagistus and alchemy, these enlightening, uh, quote-unquote illuminating um, luminaries of, of ancient, you know, discourse. But basically this entire thought is very monolithic and totalitarian it is a um, connection product with the ancient world as well as the actually surviving and survival of these ancient worlds. Um, very interestingly, for example, Yosemite Park was just brought to my attention. Yosemite Park in uh, America. Semite, the word Semite, uh, Semite in, is in there. And it's it's absolutely hiding in plain sight that America is the preservation of the ancient biblical lands, including the Semites, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, and that Freemasonry with its or with its power in America was not because these Americans are really interested in you know like impressed by a foreign culture across the world, you know. And their ancient history, it's not Judeo-Christian, etc. It's native to America. It's a pervasive cult in America that survived a great purge of something. And then once upon its now apocalyptic reality, like it's, it's the fact that there was so much chaos, decided to create order out of it and become a, you know, driving factor, an extremist liberationist army just like when a king dies all these groups become rebels and they they were formerly loyalists and now they become rebels um, seeking you know to take advantage of this new weakened empire but we'll get into it and we'll talk about how the wars against Native Americans are basically to persecute and uh, attack other survivors and eliminate them to rewrite their history as well as seize their cities. And it's it's really apparent, especially in this century. And then we'll eventually talk about the 20th century wars in this series. Um, and explain how they are connected to the breakaway civilizations, to extraterrestrials, to the actual recovery of extraterrestrial technology, the secret societies and their maneuverings around the world to create the one world empire. Uh, through their actions, and you can trace it all through the the historical and the historically admitted involvement of the U.S. military and the phenomenon called war. And these are all the wars that involved the USA in the 18th century, 19th century to start.
American Revolutionary War. It was the United States, its 13 colonies, which were independent powers, by the way. The United States was an overarching government, but the 13 colonies were still independent. The nations of France, the Dutch Republics, and Spain, because the United States is actually a branch of the Dutch East India Company. The Dutch East India Company as well as what they called the American Company. Just like the British had the Canadian Company and the Africa Company. When they colonized people and colonized lands, it was a privatized business to create a self-enriching economic sphere of influence. It was an empire ruled by big business, and big business was chartered and sponsored by the monopoly of the crown. On Great Britain's side were the Iroquois and the Cherokee nations, the Native American nations. Why would they be on the side of Great Britain? Because the Freemasonic Federalists that created the United States government as an entity were well known to be genocidal, seeking to eradicate all other native, quote-unquote native, which is originalist, which is ancient, peoples. To continue their genocide, their holy war, against the Canaanites. It is true that Freemasons are expected to kill other occultists in certain groups and bloodlines, covens, and schools of magic whenever possible to great reward within their brotherhood and an exemption of punishment from authorities controlled by Freemasonic groups within our nation. Preferred method of execution of other occultists is slicing the throat from ear to ear, specifically from a left to right motion. In an attempt to cause as much blood loss as possible, Many a Master Mason has murdered other rival occultists, either ceremonially or, or covertly, either within their place of work, business, church of worship, or political party or even domestic community. Imagine this on a scale of organized fraternal homicide. And you have the American military. You have its direction and policy moving forward, and you 
can understand a little bit more as we continue. The Cherokee-American Wars were the next from 1776 to 1795, immediately after Great Britain's security forces and its military were taken off, the Federalists began to genocide and attack other ancient world survivors, those being the closest to them, those being the Cherokee nations. Now, they had a group of Native Americans themselves. Remember, they were all Native Americans at this point. Um, they had a group of... I guess we'd call it, um, foreign, but see, this is the, it's such a weird concept because they're like a tribe, they're tribals, um, and like I said, yeah, for the, for the sake of this conversation, the Federalist government are Imperials and the natives are tribals, but the certain nations that Native American nations are literally that. They are literally surviving nations from an apocalypse that decimated technology and reset the power balance of the world. They had cities. They were inherited the cities. They uh, inherited the technologies. This is why many Native American societies already had firearms. This is why many Native American societies uh, already were told how to have agriculture or agrarian societies that they had to teach the colonists how to how to live there, basically. And many colonists in their journals talk about finding things like wine cellars, gigantic uh, pyramid civilizations, mounds, um, the highway systems. Uh, the Spanish, for example, were very impressed by the Aztec cities, which were larger than any cities in Europe at the time. Um, and that was hundreds of years before this. So the same thing was happening in America. The societies were not less technologically advanced, but they were based on tribal systems, not state systems. So the Choctaw Nation were enslaved uh, tribals, basically, native to America, that we would know as slaves. We would know now and see them with the 21st century lens as black American slaves. And then during this time, the United States government had slavery. All of it was slaves. It had slaves in every single state. It, there was no such thing as the abolitionist movement yet. And this is what they're talking about. Covertly whitewashing history. The Choctaw Native Americans... And the, the first slaves in America were Native Americans, by the way. Uh, they, they attempted to try to make Native American slaves, but their filled craft and the, their defiance was legendary. And they just run away. They just wouldn't put up with that shit. Um, because you could you couldn't actually control them, and that was the point of them being quote unquote savages or Native Americans that they did not accept the authority of these foreign nations, these foreign cultures. But the Choctaw were the slaves. Yeah, they were absolutely the slaves. Whether you know, say they were all African American. This is where that line comes in. A lot of the people debating nowadays are like African Americans are the original populations of America. Yes and no. All societies were hegemonic. They had or uh, they not hegemonic, uh, heterogeneous. They had um, different races uh, all over the place. They had Asian percentage. They had black percentage. They had Middle Eastern percentage. They had uh, Mexican percentage. Uh, it's not 
a diversifying, uh, you know, millennial woke take on things. It's just how it was. There were black people literally all over the world. There have been black people statues found in China in imperial tombs as toys for children. Uh, everyone has a constant and equal spread of ethnicities, like how Othello in Venice was black. It's always just kind of been a case of things. And it's absolutely true that many of these original Native American slaves were black. You know, very dark-skinned. So keep that in mind moving forward. Cherokee, uh, being one of these ancient Phoenician tribes, being one of these ancient Canaanite tribes, um, but the first, the closest, the first of, and of many. So the wars begin of genocide and rewriting American history and seizing cities. They didn't seize them without violence. They seized them with violence and with conquest and with war. Now, Native Americans not wanting to destroy these holy sites, typically engaged Americans in their colonies are in the wilderness, much like wars are fought now. Many people are kind of fascinated to, re to know that America did not really bomb uh, North Vietnamese cities because of certain rules based on war crimes, etc. But we would fight savagely in the jungles of the borders, of the wilderness, the frontier of villages, small communities, etc. Exactly the same way we'd fight these wars with Native Americans. It's just been rewritten and not talked about and hidden that Native Americans had cities. Native Americans lived in the same cities that we live in now. American governments couldn't really take them over immediately because it's literally thousands of Native Americans living together in the communities. Um, it was through, if you actually look at it, extreme amounts of like um, biological warfare with the spreading of smallpox, um, the control of livestock, the slaying of the buffalo, the... Um, poisoning of wells, the uh, surrounding and siege-type warfare that we'd fight, because, yeah, they may have a city, but we are a burgeoning nation of 13 independent states that feed men into this war machine, which is a cult and based on Freemasonic like authority principles and genocide and empire. Um, it's just the machine, and free human spirits are little to no match against the machine, especially when it's... Uh, but the, actually, when you look at the details, the wars were almost almost always initially won by Native Americans, by the free human beings. It was just a matter of time and size and, and scale. And we know how it ended now, but my thesis is that ultimately there are Indian and Native American survivors who are independent in fighting the war still with their territories being the Arizona, the Mojave, and the Rocky Mountains uh, across the continental United States up until Alaska. And they still wage wars. They still wage wars of resistance and kill uh, any quote-unquote white man, any quote-unquote, um, you know, pilgrim that comes into their land without permission and such the superstitious mountains, etc., that they will cut your head off, they will kill you, and, you know, leave your stuff for the buzzards, because they, they still fight. 
These wars never end. The resistance never ends. As long as there is one breath in these people's bodies, they will continue to fight. They will live out there in the wilderness. They will continue to practice their old ways, which are successful, except they just don't have the people. They didn't have the, re the reinforcements. They didn't have the immigrants literally being bought and purchased as slaves in a slave state, by the way. Um, and they didn't have the, the evil inside their hearts to exploit their neighbors, to gain their resources, to steal gold from the land, and, and uh, they steal the oil from the land, etc. They just didn't have that. But now they do. And now they, they probably use modern American military equipment. They probably have been responsible for a number of deaths of American special forces and probably even are, are probably you know, ten times the fighters that the Taliban and, um, you know, any special forces are because they live their lives practicing these old war is a war that have been forged over hundreds of years, literally hundreds of years, against the United States. But the Cherokee-American War was fought from 1776 to 1795. For almost 20 years, the Cherokee-American Wars. Ever heard of them? Most people haven't. Just like how we fought the Taliban for 20 years. Followed by the Northwest Indian War, 1785 to 1793. And the Northwest Territory of the United States was just over the Appalachian Mountains. The United States, their Choctaw slaves, as well as the Chickasaw allies... We're fighting the Western Confederacy of Native American tribes and the British North American traders, basically the company men. Another victory for the slave state of the United States. Remember, the British did not have slaves, by the way. The British were anti-slavery, which is a modern and liberal way of thinking for an independent, you know, commercial power. The United States is using a... Um, very primitive Semitic way of understanding the world, which is master-slave, which is ancient world, by the way. Rome, Babylon, all of them had slave and slave systems where they had forced slaves into, into combat. This is followed by the Quasi-War. Now, this is America's first real introduction to the European warscape, and this is, like I said before, a lot of correlation between religion. Uh, this is time you're seeing the United States and Great Britain allied against the Catholic powers of France and Spain. And to understand all this, you have to understand also Catholic versus Protestant, specifically Catholic versus Anglican, specifically Catholic versus Freemason. Um, Freemason, Freemason-controlled uh, societies of the Illuminati powers, Great Britain, the United States, uh, etc. With the United States always allying against, oh, and Islam, Islam is involved too, always allying with Freemason-controlled nations. So the Quasi-War happened from 1798 to the year 1800. Two years of hostilities in the Atlantic Ocean, the Caribbean, the Indian Ocean, and the Mediterranean. Our 
Navy is basically a taxpayer-funded pirate fleet. Always has been, always will be. We use the Navy to attack and destroy other nations' merchant vessels and impoverish them as well as completely dominate, monopolize sea trade. That is 100% how pirates operate. It's 100% how the navies of um, the Barbary Coast, which is we're going to be getting into the first Barbary War, operated. This is all pirate on pirate wars. And we're just now a new pirate gang, an organized crime on with sailboats and galleons and cannons and uh, peg legs and parrots and all that good shit. But basically, the... <laughs> the... Um, U.S. Navy flies the Jolly Roger, and it is absolutely the origin of all pirate mythos is the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Navy um, piracy operations against Europe, specifically Spain. First Barbary War, from 1801 to 1805. America goes to Africa, goes to the Middle East, basically, and gets into its first war with Islam. Right, which is ironic because Morocco was the first nation to recognize the United States as a real country. But Morocco is also really fucking weird and creepy. And specifically when it comes to its its own occult and um, very, very spooky fucking sorcery shit that it's got going on. It's basically like the Salem of the Islamic world. Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Tripoli. The United States, Sweden, Sicily, Malta, and Portugal team up with a Moroccan uh, Civil War faction of royalty against Ottoman Tripoli, Morocco, Ottoman Algeria, and Ottoman Tunisia. So basically, we say fuck the Ottomans by proxy of invading Morocco with special forces and prove that our pirates are unstoppable. This is, I would say, the first real major victory of the United States Navy in uh, surgically striking and causing terrorism through assassination and um, especially against the Islamic world. Um, the U.S. Navy would literally kill every single Muslim if it could. That's just how the U.S. Navy has been organized and constructed. It absolutely hates Islam. And it has a, a blood feud and obsession with destroying Islam. With World War II being like a distraction that, that has to operate in Asia. Tecumseh's War. From 1811. Northwest River, Ohio. United States versus the Tecumseh's Federation. A confederacy. This is the one way of saying the Turtle Nation because it was a nation on the Mississippi River into Michigan or the Ohio River Valley that was known as the Turtle Nation. Ironically, this would help America organize itself as a much more effective and flexible societal and cultural entity. And having been both defeated by Tecumseh's forces, rallying and defeating Tecumseh's forces, 
it would basically steal the Turtle Nation's entire system of government and ratify it as its constitution in 1812. This would see a slight liberalization of its philosophies regarding many things. In the way of its organization. But not in the way you think. Not in the lessening or loosening of its grip but the exertion of its power over its colonies and states, especially moving into the future. It was what was once a flag waving over all the heads of its population now became an iron fist grasped firmly on their shoulder. Another existential threat would happen during the War of 1812, Eastern and Central North America. United States versus the United Kingdom and Canada. United States had its loyal Choctaw Nation slaves, as along with its newly conquered Cherokee Nation slaves and free Creek allies. Greek allies. Remember, Creek Indians, Greek Indians. Tecumseh's surviving confederacy and Spain were helping out the United Kingdom and the Canadas. While they will say that it's inconclusive as to what occurred because of the varying degrees of success and failure across the geographically diverse landscape, everything from New Orleans in the mouth of the Mississippi Delta to Washington, D.C. and Toronto, What the effects were, though, were that the British regained control, at least politically and internationally, over the United States. And that it was clear that if the United States would resist, more invasions were to follow. And ultimately, we may have won battles, but the British won the war. And America started to assume, now British colonial and um, cultural artifacts once again like courts of law, the bar uh, for example British uh, attorney society, uh, attorneys uh, requirements the adoption of um, a pro-British stance or a special friendship as it were. The American company now it had been geogra- and politically, geopolitically, it was weaker than the British Empire, which the sun never set on, for example, but it becomes now an auxiliary able to independently control itself and be offered the protection of the British in dire emergencies, as well as pretend to be independent and operate without responsibility from the British. Very plausible deniability. 
and conquering and colonizing the new world. Basically a self-governing colony. The Creek War. Now, the Creek allies that were helping out the United States, the Red Stick Creek, the Lagrange, oh no, the Baton Rouge, sorry, the Baton Rouge Creek, saw that the United States was politically taken over by its enemy, the British, and decided to have a revolution. Or rather, the British, now controlled United States, decided to turn on the Red Stick Creek, who refused to follow it into submission of the British. The Choctaw Nation slaves and the Cherokee Nation slaves, as well as the now allied Creek slaves, were used as human cannon fodder, scouts, etc., and the Red Stick Creek were quickly overwhelmed in a matter of two years following the complete conquest of what was known as French Louisiana. The Greek presence in America had not been exterminated, but was beginning to be exterminated. And like I said, the Greek and the Creek are interchangeable because they are the same. They were not fighting savages, they were fighting basically what we know as Athenians, or Mycedinians, or Spartans, etc. In terms of culture, legacy, and beatific civilization. Second Barbary War in 1815. Mediterranean Sea and the Barbary States. United States Pirates versus the Regency of Algiers. Once again, holding hostage a monarchy... And trying to exact as much terrorism and death ceremonially against the Muslim as possible. First Seminole War. Pensacola, Spanish, Florida. The United States versus the Seminole Nation, Spanish, Florida. We could go for days into what the implications of Florida being the Garden of Eden truly is. Spanish Florida itself is also a phenomenon in America that they were basically this, uh, as well as all of the Gulf Coast, and its history, its civilization, its right to self-govern, its cultural independence, and this was absolutely a war of aggression to conquer fertile land, specifically the most fertile land in America, Florida. And once again, the Freemasonic Semitic cult to reconquer the holy lands of the Garden of Eden by any means necessary. And this will keep playing out multiple times as America is rebuffed and defeated from this overarching goal, but still claiming victories because of its absolute devastation against the forts of free blacks who were First Nation Blacks, um, the Seminole Indians, which were the Greek, Turkish, and otherwise Muslim, um, in appearance and in belief, natives to the Seminole areas, as well as outlaw and exiled colonists. 
of the North Americas over the last, you know, couple of decades uh, and, and centuries, having come to Florida to find refuge, escape, and independence, um, as provided to by the Spanish uh, monarchy, as well as to basically attack and kick out a rival European power from North America. Texas Indian Wars would follow 1820 to 1875. 55 years of war against the United uh, from the United States with its Spanish, Mexican, Republic of Texas and Choctaw Nation allies versus the Comanche, one Native American tribe, the Comanche. 55 years of tribal war and genocide against a peoples of Texas, Oklahoma, Southern Colorado, the Red Dirt people, the Phoenicians, the people of Ochre, a savage and wild, untamable, dominating force that knew the truth and knew the secrets of the land that they inherited. Now we're going to go into their uh, history in an episode um, all its own because it is absolutely important to know that they are the Phoenicians, they were the survivors of the Scythians, and they were absolutely uh, who we would know as Genghis Khan's Hunnic Horde. And they were ISIS worshippers fighting under what they called the Comanche Moon. The Comanche Moon being a full moon. These were people of the night. These were people who fought for their moon goddess. The Arakara War. This is along the Missouri River in 1823. United States and its Sioux allies. Now remember that the Sioux originally being allies of the United States and making a deal with the white devil to fight and try to defeat its opponent, the Arakara. Now, the Arakara are a lesser-known Native American tribe surrounded and shrouded in mystery. But what is known is that there was no clear defeat of the Arakara people and that their behavior has traditionally been known as uh, recognizable to Americans as what classic Native Americans did. So I think that's a massive cover-up. I think it's a very generic cover-up. Because every time you see them, it's just, oh, they had teepees, and they wore feathers, and they fought, you know, without their shirts on. So they were basically the state of Americans. And I think that's a complete whitewashing and cover-up of this war and conflict. I think that these people were um, highly sophisticated nomads. And uh, while I will not make a claim 
right now as to what ethnicity they were. I believe they were just a a remnant with greater technological capabilities than what they want to um, ever admit that Native Americans had. And I believe that this Arakara tribe is in a big part, along with the Comanche and the Apache um, and the Ute, um, part of the, quote, real Native American um, resistance and not one of the tribes that ever submitted to reservation but is still existing out in the American wilderness currently. This was followed by the Winnebago War. Remember, while this is all going on, the Comanche-Texas War is raging. That the Comanches are unstoppable, um, sending charges and raids, and basically stopping single-handedly all westward expansion, forcing them to go higher to northern territories. Um, the native, the United States, that is. Um... So this is where you started seeing the Sioux War in the Missouri River or in conflicts in South Dakota or um, Michigan along the Great Lakes. Instead of their push southward and westward to the center of America, which is controlled by the Comanche Indian. Literally straight up controlled by the Comanche Indian. The Winnebago War. Between the United States and its Choctaw Nation slaves to help colonize and control the Prairie Lacrosse and Ho-Chunk Indians. Now, this is a very, um, a very strange conflict because it's basically against the French settlers, the Arcadians that still lived in America, uh, who were, you know, French, by all origins French, and the Ho-Chunk, who were considered to be savages, but I think were actually um, part of the Mound Builder civilization, completely rewritten and, and whitewashed, confusing their heritage and reducing them down to basic stereotypes um these this is basically for the cities and lands around the great lakes uh, like uh lake michigan uh chicago for example Now, it's, it's March uh, 18th when I record this. It's March 18th when I record this, and it's 54 degrees outside, if you can imagine that, 56 degrees. Um, it's almost unprecedentedly, it's almost a record low uh, for this area I'm in and the time of year I am, if you can imagine that. March 18th, spring break, and it's, or just after spring break, and it's um, 56 degrees. The Winnebago War, like I said, was fought over for Chicago, or at least the first era for that war, coming in from the wilderness areas, but the actual war proper for the Great Lakes in Chicago was the Black Hawk War from Illinois and Michigan. The United States, the now Ho-Chunk slave tribes, the Minonimi, and the Coda, and the Patuatomi, all recently conquered in the Winnebago War, were used by the Freemasonic United States Army to destroy Black Hawk and his British band, Ho-Chunk survivors, and the Potawatomi resistance. 
Now, these might be uh, strange and minor tribes, but they were human beings. They recorded a massive amount of territory, realistically, along great fertile territories of geographic importance and many, many old-world realities were conquered with the uh, subjugation of Blackhawk and with his tribes of survivors and basically reclaimers. Um, remember, it is a post-apocalypse, so within 32 years, or within 52 years, the United States federal Freemasonic government has arisen and stretched all the way out to the Great Lakes of North America on foot and horseback, if we were to believe the um, fact that an EMP had devastated technology or reduced whatever high-tech system they had back to its Stone Age roots, uh, rebuilding and refining and claiming territories, finding cities, etc. Um, but Illinois, Chicago, Michigan with Detroit, um, the entire Great Lakes area, that was what this entire war was about, the Black Hawk War. Regardless if they want to make it out to be like, oh, he was just a band of uh, thieves, or oh, they were just, um, you know, unimportant, uh, minor uh, tribes. This was absolutely, incredibly important for the creation of the United States, especially later during the Industrial Revolution. Texas Revolution would follow from 1835 to 1836, with the United States giving arms and eventually um, basically sweeping in and giving its manpower, and just like it will do in the future with advisors, with contractors, with mercenaries, um, you know, across the United States, filing in to fight um, another's battle for them. So the United States helped incite a color revolution, just like it always does in the Republic of Texas against the Mexican Republic, and with the United States' influence and support, was able to ensure the Republic of Texas' independence. And this is much in the creation of the Freemasonic order out of chaos playbook. As well as their first direct attack on Mexico, but not their last. Mexico being a Catholic rival power in North America. And even though Canada is still firmly under Britain's control, because Britain now controls politically the international destiny of the United States, the United States is going to attack Mexico so that Britain can be blameless and free of responsibility, but still be an agent provocateur and destabilize and weaken its arch-rival, the Vatican, the Catholic power of the world. So, then the cult, exactly, the, the belief system cult superstate, a theocracy known as the Catholic Church. And it's many different republics and uh, monarchies that were overwhelmingly culturally and almost 100% specifically Catholic. For example, and the Republic of Texas in um, 
one of the main protests that they had that forced revolution against Mexico was that Mexico was going to force everybody to convert to Catholicism. That definitely was a factor with the United States and the Republic of Texas being both dominantly Protestant, quote-unquote, Freemasonic states. Protestant being a protest now uh, against the Catholic Church and now an actualized reason for war against them in the New World. While this was going on, the United States also pushed southeast into the Florida region with the Second Seminole War. The Second Seminole War was fought between 1835 and 1842. The United States against the Seminole Nation once again, having survived the first onslaught, but now being policed generally and supervised by the United States federal government. Another popular war amongst the popular front, I meant in terms of uh, people's resistance and independence movement, with the United States federal system being the police state and being the enforcer and oppressor on behalf of an empire that is quickly seeking not to gain control of the people, but to gain control of the massive agricultural fortune that Florida has, as well as what? Recreate and rewrite the history of the United States, and it's crucial at that point they need to take Florida because Florida is directly connected to the old world being the Garden of Eden and having many, many artifacts from the ancient world. Everyone interested in that should go check out uh, Old World Florida YouTube channel. Cannot recommend that channel enough. Incredible amount of information. Um, And once you see it, you can't unsee it. You really can't. The Mexican-American War was the official declaration of the United States and its California California Republic, the NCR, the California Republic, um, with Mexico. And remember, they are starting to create the order out of the chaos. They are starting to create independence movements and revolutions, uh, provide... um, training as well as education and their own specialized personnel in the Freemasonic cabal in the world to wage war against the Catholic across the continental United States or across the North American continent. Now this is going to start with Mexico but eventually we'll see all of Central America's Catholic nations be destroyed and toppled uh, from within or without by the Freemasonic academic secular world philosophy of the Protestants. Now, of course, Mexico was defeated and thoroughly razed, but this war had such detail in it that people are not aware of, like, the mass hanging of 300 Irish um, volunteers, mercenaries, basically, called the St. Paddy's Brigade, that volunteered to fight for Mexico as a Catholic um, partisan group 
and much like the Ukrainian war, Reddit tier mercenaries uh, wanting to go for the societal approval and good boy points, basically. Uh, this, this was a war against Catholics uh, to the extreme. This was absolutely a war against Catholics, just like how the Texas Revolution was. That the Catholics sent Irish mercenaries down there. Americans captured them in route, um, uh, captured them, arrested them, and took a prisoner, but then hung them in a massive display of execution right outside of Mexico City in full view of the city so that they would show the fate of anyone who was not ethnically Mexican involved, or basically they would show the fate of all Catholic prisoners was they would be executed on the spot um, in public because that's how America rolled. America also, for example... Uh, sieged and attacked a barracks or a uh, military academy but it was full of children it was full of like 14 year old children who were training to be a part of the army and uh, America because it fights children and this was a war of genocide just like how it had genocided the Native American tribes in the previously listed wars oh yeah by the way all the wars I was talking about America as a state was killing children, women uh, like I said it would win a multi-year war by attacking uh, people with biological chemical weapons, which it had full knowledge of disease, uh, giving out anthrax to cattle, chasing away horses for the livestock, uh, or poisoning um, livestock, um, salting the earth, basically, and its many different capabilities. It would, you know, not quite literally, but, but basically, yeah, salting the earth for its many different generations. Attacking the weak and civilian populations, taking women and children uh, hostage and um, as orphans, um, the the entire gambit. No, nothing was barred, nothing was excluded. This is absolutely a war between uh, the Federalist Blue um, Freemasonic Lodge uh, military, the cavalry, etc., with the United States pirates of the U.S. Navy. So Mexico was destroyed, and Mexico City was occupied, and from that moment, Mexico City became a vessel state for, the, a puppet state for the free Masonic government, because Mexico was also free Masonic within itself, and was too much of a cultural, culturally independent and historically precedented area to exert the genocidal, um, experiment that they had done to the Native American populations. It was already too much of a first world nation. It was already too much of a European nation. It had too many intellectuals, etc. for them to dominate legally as an occupied territory. Though they wanted to enslave them. They did want to enslave them. The American government with Knights of the Golden Circle as the occult group inside the United States military during the war against Mexico did want to make Mexico a slave state, and they did want to enslave the Mexicans thinking that they were just a Native American society, meaning that the Native American societies that they had encountered beforehand had cities that looked like Mexico, meaning that Mexoamerica, the Mississippi, was the Mesopotamic area, and the cities were identical in facade of the Aztec Mayan cultures throughout the Mississippi River Delta from Michigan down to Mexico City. Point is, uh, they did not see a distinction between Mexico and many of the Native American tribes, like the Cherokee or the Seminole, that they were, or especially the Comanche, that they were currently engaged in war with, 
or had been engaged in war with uh, until very recently, right? And this was, this is very late into America's modernity. This is 1848, right? I mean, this is uh, relatively early. I mean, not late. This is relatively early into our development. This is 19, 1848, and we are currently, like at that time, contemporarily, creating an empire, they are creating an empire that went from 13 original colonies that only existed on the northeast seaboard of the Atlantic Ocean, now is in almost entirely Mexico. Now could now could possibly be all of Mexico, as well as to you know the west, the Pacific Ocean, etc. Which they hope, which they have not gained control over, but they're already going to jump the gun and say we own all of Mexico before. But ultimately, they do end up buying all of the Southwest American continent and territory as we know it now. Um, the continental United States. They buy Arizona. They buy South. Uh, they buy California. They buy uh, New Mexico. They buy um, Colorado. They buy up to Oregon, basically up to Canada. Up, up to Canada. They buy up to Canada from Mexico. So they take half of it, but they get, they let Mexico basically keep its autonomy. But just like how we did, or how we were done by the British, they seized the capital, the government was transferred over legally, but you can keep your autonomy, but you become a charter state. You basically are controlled by us, our military controls your destiny internationally, but as long as you allow us to operate however we wish, without resisting, we will let you exist uh, forever, right? As long as we exist, you exist. So you keep us safe and happy, we'll keep you safe and happy, etc. And so British now gain this now formerly Catholic, but now, and it will become less and less Catholic and more and more Freemason. Freemason. And ironically, the biggest Freemason in Mexico at the time that caused both of these things to happen, the the Mexican-Texas War, uh, Texas War of Independence, and the Mexican-American War, was Santa Ana... Or say it was it was Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna, right? And Santa Anna uh, was the Mexican general who became the Mexican dictator uh, during wartime, basically, um, and and tried to suppress both the many revolutions that were occurring, as well as the uh, the one who tried to take Texas back from Mexico, causing the Mexican American War. He was a Freemason. Absolutely was a fucking Freemason. And everyone knows this in Texas who is connected or has awareness of Freemasons. Um, There was a Freemasonic meeting and handshake given as well as his allowance to return to Mexico in power. uh, Not in victory, but in power. And to return alive, for example, after the Texas War of Independence. Um, And there was United States money and currency found in his vault after... Uh, the Mexican-American War, meaning that he had been paid off by Americans with American currency. He spoke fluent English, for example, and there's no doubt, there is literally no doubt that he was a Freemason. He is absolutely historically known as a Freemason. And it's very interesting because he was in total control militarily both times when Mexico was defeated by the United States, both times. He intentionally sabotaged their military and caused both defeats from the very inside and from the very top. This is how the Freemasons work. He he stood he stood to gain more from losing two wars than he ever would from trying to win one.
the Cayuse War, the United States versus the Cayuse Nation in Oregon. Um, once again, America pushing now towards Oregon. The Cayuse were formerly controlled by the Mexicans. America shows up, says, hell, we bought out the, the territory. We're now your new boss. They try to do things their way. There was violence. And a lot of times when there's violence, there's eradication, imprisonment, and then, of course, uh, rewriting as to who was right and who was wrong and who was the victim and who was the savage, etc. The Apache Wars. Um, but remember, with everybody dead, with every single person that these, these Native Americans lose, legends, secrets, cultural knowledge, medicine, um, tool craft, survival skills are lost, and they're lost forever. Art, music, any kind of craft or skill. When a man dies, a man or woman or a child dies, not only does their knowledge get lost, but their ability to teach that knowledge gets lost. And I know it's cliche to say that the, it's a tragedy if any single person dies, but it is. It's a tragedy in war or in conflict that people are, are, are lost because they have so, because everyone has so much to teach and everyone has so much. And that's society, that's culture, that's life, that's existence. To be killed in crossfire or to be killed in a military campaign or a raid, both sides, on both sides. So it just becomes easier and easier to rewrite history when you're losing more and more people. So when Americans are going to be killed by native by natives, uh, when the United States Federalists are going to be killed, when the natives are going to be killed, when the slaves are going to be killed, when the foreigners are going to be killed, we are all becoming more ignorant. We are all losing light. We are all losing this information and this knowledge that we all need, especially of the ancient world. And with each loss, the survivors can rewrite the world in their image as they see fit, which is why they want to exterminate everybody in the first place, because they want to be the only people alive to tell people how things exist and what they're all about and why they need power and why they have to be in power. The less people that are educated enough to challenge them, they literally control the world by controlling the pin, but it's a fight to the death to control the pin. And anyone who has a pin needs to be killed so that they can't write with that pin, etc., etc., etc. It's not so much the cities, it's not so much the territories, it's not the technology, but they are finding technology at this time. They are finding UFOs, they are finding ancient cities, they are finding ancient power grids, they're finding ancient religious artifacts, they're finding untold godly horror from Catholic ages in Ur-Sumerian uh, architecture reliefs. As they are exploring the colonies that they are winning, as they are exploring these areas around Michigan and, and Illinois and Chicago, for example, they're finding ancient pagan uh, temples, they're finding ancient ruins, and this is all Freemasonic knowledge. This is all becoming the secrets of the Freemasonic Turks, the national treasure that the Freemasons uh, control, is the knowledge that they're getting as they are conquering and destroying the native populations 
uh, going so far as to completely redesign the maps, geography, as and rewrite their histories. Just create the tribe literally from thin air to fit their racist and um, you know it's it, it's it's Semitic anti-Semitism to an extreme because they're destroying the Canaanites. They are literally burning the witch at the stake. They are. Um, they are destroying all rival belief and occult systems. And any memory, any independent memory of the old America, of anything before the Great Fall, which could have happened in the 1776 area, circa 1776. So 1851 to 1900, for 49 years, America engaged in war with the Apaches. That's right, the Apache, the Ute, and the Yavapa versus the United States of America. These was not the Comanche War, which is a separate independent culture, but this is um, a tribe that was very closely related to the Comanches, their enemies on many occasions, and could have been a continuation of this dominant hegemonic ethnic state of raiders of Asiatic origins living in the Southwest. These Scythians, these, these horsemen, these desert raiders, these um, red people, the ochre Phoenician tribes, after this great collapse, still keeping the nation that they inherited alive, still keeping the culture that they have in their hearts alive, and refusing to submit. And this happened from 1851 to 1900. So the Civil War was fought for four years inside of the Apache Wars. And the Apache Wars never stopped. Just so that people know that. And this is going to be uh, profound because we're getting towards the time of the Civil War. To know that the Confederacy of the United States actually did involve Native American tribes. There were many Native American nations that were allied with the Confederacy. And yes, it was a matter of, fuck the United States. You know, we need to stop them from from doing what they're doing, which is becoming this oppressive super state of military genocide in, you know, the world. But we also need to um, ally as original Americans or ally as Americans to save our history because they are destroying and rewriting our history in favor of a foreign influence. Also, mind you, <coughs> that the rhetoric that people talk about when they talk about American military history, they say Afghanistan was America's longest war. It lasted for 20 years. But everyone forgets about the Apache Wars, or they forget about the Comanche Wars. You know, they forget about these military conflicts with Native Americans. And they want to say, oh, well, technology makes it much, much different. You know, it, it makes it a new modern era. It's a modern war. And I think people just want to forget that we have engaged in a half a century of warfare with no political end in sight 
unless the objective of absolute destruction of a culture was met. And it didn't take traveling across the world to find that enemy. That enemy existed within the Mojave Desert. And I think still does. I firmly believe still does. And they never surrendered. And they fight to this very day. Bleeding Kansas. 1854 to 1861. Between the states of Kansas and Missouri. For, between anti-slavery settlers and the free staters. Are called the free staters. And pro-slavery staters called the border ruffians. This is absolutely a made-up war um, for the purposes. They did, the reasons why this war existed were not the purposes given. This is because it was organized crime to settle lands. And that the people who settled lands, they want you to think it was an idealistic, you just walked and found some land, and then you made a farm and a cottage, and you just tried your best, and everyone was on the level. No, this was gangs. These, these, these were mafias. These are the origins of the organized crimes, uh, families that exist. The feuds, the clans, the power structures, where the best land was controlled by monopolies of people. Like, not monopolies, but by great gangs and families of people that would take as much land by force. And in Kansas... By the 1850s, this had become such a common practice, this had become so well known, that as soon as they were allowed to colonize the state, two rival groups started warring with each other, literally coming to violence and killing each other, to try to seize as much profitable land as possible, as fast as possible, but given that their geography and technology and the time requirements to actually create homesteads, etc., that it began to morph into a real multi-year conflict, a war, with seasons, with invasions, with maneuvers, with um, the creation of standing militias and armies. And this was completely between just two rival clans of American citizens. But because of the Freemasonic federalist invasion system that they'd set up. Many of these people had military experience. Many of these people were trained killers. Many of these people had killed before in the Indian Wars. Many of these people had grown up in families of soldiers, of American uh, patriots. And patriots is another word for uh, psychopath. You know, vicious psychopath when it comes to causes, ideolo idea, um, ideologues, ideologies, religious extremism, um, you know, everything had its boiling point. And just like the mob wars, the literal mafia wars of the 1920s and 1930s, Bleeding Kansas was a rural mafia war. The Puget Sound War. The United States and the Snoqualmie, uh, Native Americans and the state of Washington, from 1855 to 1856, fought the family clans of the Nisqually, the Muckleshoot, the Payalup, the Kikitat, the Haida, and the Tingil. Now, I don't want to talk about Bigfoot too, too much, because this is not about that, but this is an important factor in it. 
When we were taking over Washington and Oregon and Northern California, the United States military undoubtedly encountered Sasquatch and undoubtedly encountered tribes that venerated the wild man and venerated these uh, wild lands, right? I think these clan systems, these extremely diverse Native American populations of these ancient Viking-like cities, they have a lot to do with Viking families and, and clan systems, which are also all Venetian, the tribe of Dan, except these survivors of the ancient world who lived like the Vikings did with lodges, with grand houses, with different tribal you know, totems, etc., that uh, they became the Sasquatch. In many cases, they became the Sasquatch. They literally went to the wilderness. They lived off the land. They have done so and survived that way, going into a less technologically advanced state to survive the aggressions of a technologically obsessed materialist society such as the Freemasonic United States military. If you don't have technology, we can't fathom you as a threat, but it allows you to have greater mastery of your environment and to basically uh, cloak within your very own forest. And this is why there's reported hostilities in an organized fashion with Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest this very day, such as in Ape Canyon and the seeming ability for us to interbreed because it's less a matter of two species but rather a matter of two tribes who have you know, obviously either adapted or grown so far apart that they're not recognizable anymore. but originating from these early military encounters of the Puget Sound War. Simultaneously, the Rogue River Wars of 1855 and 1856 were being fought in Rogue Valley between the United States and the Rogue Valley or Rogue River people. This is a strange war. Very little is written about it. But basically, a tribe, a Native American tribe just called the Rogue River People. Sorry to attack American settlers, American military fought back, was able to reduce their numbers and populations to the point of submission within two years in these hit-and-one raids. Um, and then almost unceremoniously they're just written away as the Rogue River People without even being given a name. The Third Seminole War, 1855-1858, to in Pensacola, Florida. United States' third war against the Seminole Indian people. The Seminole people being a collection of Greek, uh, Middle Eastern, Muslim, free black, American exile, American expatriate, um, you know, free thinking, a lot of people from around the world, uh, Caribbean, everything from pirates uh, to... Um, you know, rogue priests were there, and they they maintained an independent Florida for as long as they could, at least culturally, within forts, 
in the swamps, using the terrain to create these isolated but utopian beach, uh, like, like fishing villages, and like, um, you know, near the fresh springs, etc., and would require constant attention from the United States military. Not as much as the Comanche, not as much as the Apache, but constant military intervention on the part of America into Florida. Florida being considered a, a kind of foreign territory. The Yakima War, 1855 to 1858. The United States is Nalakami, uh, allies or slaves, versus the Yakama, the Walla Walla tribe, Umatila, the Nez Pierce, and the Cayuse. Once again, these Viking-like clan loyalties resisting the Freemasonic foreign invaders and their attempt to re-educate and dominate spiritually and psychologically the native ancestral tribes. Who were descended from the Phoenician, who were descended from the tribe of Dan, who were descended from the Hyperboreans, and in many ways the Aryans, but also who cultivated and created the dragon bloodlines of the Chinese, and who were basically left behind colonists from these Asiatic pre-Chinese uh, ethno-cultures. Many of the Sasquatch stories are from the survivors of these wars who fled to the wilderness. Second Opium War, 1856 to 1859, United Kingdom, British Raj, France, and the United States team up to attack what? The King Dynasty, the Dragon Family Dynasty of China. Now here's the interesting thing about this. I don't want to sound too conspiratorial here, but if you're listening to this, you know I am. The Second Opium War could have easily happened in the United States. And it could have easily happened not only with the, in the United States, but after the United States discovered that there was a direct connection between China, which was then a British kingdom, or a British colony, the 12 port system, Already trade had been firmly established in Asia in the central heartland. Zhengdao, the nation in the middle, the empire, emperor of China, um, the empress of China, rather, then kicked him out during the Boxing Revo- Boxer Revolution, etc. But to go into it, the um, United States could have been drafted into it after realizing that the, well, who we know is the Chinese, actually had a foothold in the United States, into the states themselves. Um, Finding their colonies, finding their ships in port or in harbor, finding their anchors, finding their coins. Um, we currently find, for example, Buddhas and stuff like that in the desert. And it could have been a very pertinent, very responsible for America as a federal nation to then go to China as a part of this fighting force against the Chinese, having seen the Chinese as a potential invader or at least with knowledge that needed to be suppressed and destroyed. Potentially maps, potentially uh, maps proving that cities had existed for far longer than they had. Maps proving ancient civilizations were present that were before the great cataclysm and deluge, that were Aryan, that were Caucasian, that were uh, intermixed uh, uh, racially, that were modern, you know, and that practiced 
pagan religions that proved that the biblical lands were not uh, where they had calculated, but rather were where they were, like Yosemite National Park, Utah, or Mexico. Specifically, because this leads into, the, remember, their erasure of history. And like I said, that proves that the ancient biblical lands are where? Utah. Utah or Yosemite or Mexico or the Grand Canyon of the Pacific Northwest or California being Babylon or Egypt being the uh, Mississippi River area, etc., etc., because where do they fight and after or during this war? Because they were there from they were there in China from 1856 to 1859. So where do they fight during this time? Utah during the Mormon Wars, Utah Territory and Wyoming. That's right. They had found that not only the Chinese had information, maps, and um, I like understandings of this nation in terms of its origins. And had to destroy them, as well as its own origins, China's own origins, in the Pacific Northwest, which they had learned from their wars in Washington, Puget Sound, the Yakima, etc., from their storytellers, um, but then invaded down to the Utah area. Mormons had the same knowledge, the same information. They had been persecuted before and driven almost to uh, refugee status because of their persecution within the Freemasonic governments of the United States of America. The United States tries to attack Utah, but the desert or the Deseret and the Mormons, uh, the Nauvoo Legion, are able to fight them to a standstill, a stalemate, and fortify themselves even further in Utah's many valleys and mountains. Having found ancient cities, ancient technologies, etc., and proof that they were right. Increasingly interesting that the Navajo Wars from 1858 to 1866 would occur right after that, as seeing that they can't invade or defeat the Mormons, the Americans tried the next best thing and attacked their neighbors to the south, the Navajo, in Nevada and in the Mojave Desert and basically try to take as much ancient world technology and proof of ancient Jerusalem, ancient, um, you know, the Grand Canyon, etc., that they can. And the Navajo Wars rage from 1858 to 1866 with almost the entire subjugation and destruction of the Navajo Nation um, through various very underhanded environmental warfare type tactics, including destruction of waterways, damming of rivers, destruction of mountain paths, um, destruction of livestock, etc. It was one of the more brutal and cold-blooded of the American Native American wars on our part. But it's absolutely in this... If we look at the last 1850s, was all about finding proof finding ancient documentation maps going across the world and its first foreign invasions um, that tried to secure or it's, its later foreign invasions against a major power, not just Muslim royal families or by the pirates, but basically U.S. Federalists, U.S. Freemasons um, learning about the, the truth, the actual extent of this knowledge and going into the most hostile fringe territories to gather the most intact of it, to keep it secret, 
huge motivation at that point to keep it secret. To keep the fucking secret. John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry, 1859. It's not really, uh, not really worth mentioning. It's just a uh, terrorism, domestic terrorism, um, domestic extremism pushed on the issue of abolition. Um, also, maybe a psyop, maybe a false flag type thing. First false flag, maybe recorded in history, for all I know. I mean, American history, for example. I know probably there's even, yeah, even every eight nation has these false flags. But probably the first false flag to start the American Civil War, which would be uh, a goal of its to create order out of chaos and to create a more draconian, authoritarian, uh, super federalist state, um, as well as to antagonize, like, like, here it is. Okay, so, the Confederate States existed but legally existed until the American Civil War, where they became the enemies, because the First and Second Cartina War raged from 1859 to 1861 in Texas and Mexico. The United States, then later the Confederate States, and then Free Mexico, fought a massive organized crime group called the Cartinistas Bandits, and they were a Mexican crime cartel, but back in 1850 to 1861. This always will happen. This always repeats itself with the Mexican drive cartels. Rise up, rape, pillage, loot. Take as much as they want through violence because technology uh, hasn't been able to catch them. Then massive organizations like the Confederate States or the United States takes control of territories and law enforcement capacities. Includes the military as posse and then um, eventually out-disciplines them and outguns them. The Paiute War. Pyramid Lake, Nevada. Like I said, while this is all going on, the United States is in Nevada trying to figure the fucking um, real history of the world out and take as much artifacts and seize as much territory as possible. So where do they go? Pyramid Lake. Very spooky, very Freemasonic place now. And it was, even back then, very ancient old world. Why do they call it Pyramid Lake? It's because there's a pyramid down there. Absolutely, it's the case. The Paiute, the Saishoni, and the Banak. Uh, the Paiute Indians are one of the least technologically advanced Indians. In fact, one of the last uh, Native Americans ever discovered was in the 1930s, and it was a Paiute Indian. They live off the land, and um, they, they have very little in the way of technology, but they defended, they defended the Pyramid Lake area because it was sacred to them. And they knew it was going to be a suicidal war. They had definitely knew that the United States military was genocidal against Native Americans. They still engaged them in war because the Pyramid Lake was sacred because of its connection to the ancient world, the world that they had recently lost in the deluge. The American Civil War, 1861 to 1865, Southern U.S. Indian Territory, Northwestern, or Northeastern U.S., Western United States, Atlantic Ocean. United States versus the Confederate States of America, the Cherokee Nation slaves, the Choctaw Nation slaves, the Chickasaw Nation slaves, the Moscow Nation slaves, and the Iroquois Nation. So, 
this is not like how people think. The United States Civil War was not the United States trying to free the slaves from the Confederate state that had them unrightfully and illegally. The Confederate state was free Americans offering freedom to the Native American slaves. And I said, like, it's very confusing to think Native Americans. We're all Native American now. But the uh, Aboriginal nations then who had been made slaves by the federal government's conquest and made little more than military servants um, and given nothing but their poverty and second-class citizenship status in return, a chance at freedom and a return to their native lands. This is a very idealistic and good proposition. The Native Americans were allied with the Confederate States of America, like the Creek, the Cherokee Nation, um, Choctaw, um, etc., Seminoles, almost universally. All, you know, the surviving Comanche, etc., the Apache, all of them were allied with the Confederate States of America, not because they believed in slavery, which is not the real reason for the war, but because they wanted freedom from slavery. You remember how inverted the Freemasonic world truly is, that everything up is actually down, everything black is actually white, etc., etc., etc. The United States of America was a Federalist Freemasonic slave empire that destroyed the South through... Attrition, the United States Pirate Navy, especially, uh, with its embargo, and um, basically the, the bombardment and destruction of port facilities cold-heartedly, absolutely ruthlessly, uh, and mercilessly by the United States Navy, which is a complete pirate fleet. Remember that controlled and absolutely run as a pirate fleet. Um... Then, then absolutely, it was done from the coast, from the coastline, and choking in the uh, was it campaign Anaconda, or the uh, the mission um, uh, code name Anaconda, and and looked that up. That's absolutely true. The land battles were almost entirely all won by the Confederate States of America. The Confederacy won almost eighty percent of all land engagements until the very end when poverty and resources and reinforcements ground to a halt. And like I said, the United States was allied. They want to say that the United Confederates were allied with Britain, who was allied with Canada, and they were seeking to destabilize the United States. This is not the case. The United States was allied with Britain, and the British were betraying the Confederates by giving them poor equipment and not willing to like give them any ships, etc., um, to replenish their navy. It, but... Ultimately, the thing to remember is that the United States Freemasons, the United States military, uh, the Union, um, oppressed and destroyed the hopes of the Confederates, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Muscogee, and the uh, Iroquois, or the Creek as well. Their hopes of freedom, their war of independence, their, their rebellion against the evil empire. And they did that with their Freemasonic industrial technology, their steel, their high-tech recovered technology like airships, and um, their various super weapons that were of the ancient world. They did this without mercy, and they did this and then created the villains 
that everyone hates today, known as the American South and known as the Confederate flag. They did this absolutely knowing that it was a war between two Freemasonic brothers, one hoping for independence, both educated within the same military academies, uh, you know, spiritual brothers, I meant the nations were spiritually brothers, Uh, but one yearned for freedom after its service to a common goal, and the other one sought only further domination and tyranny. And the United States was evil in the American Civil War, if there ever is such a thing as evil. The Yavapah Wars, from 1861 to 1875. The United States versus the Yavapah, the Apache, the Yuma, and the Mojave. Once again, for Arizona, pushing into that southwest Mojave Desert, trying to exterminate primitive peoples from defending their sacred sites. Sites of the ancient world, like the Grand Canyon. The Dakota War of 1862, Minnesota and Dakota. The United States versus Dakota Sioux. Um, this would be, you know, like going into the ultimate ghost dance and late stage of the 20th century, which was the absolute genocide and eradication of the surviving but still resisting Native American tribes after the unification of the United States by absolute military force and the creation of a martial law um, empire, which is ruled by the military and the military alone. And the military is ruled by Freemasons. The Colorado War. From 1863 to 1865, Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska. The United States fought to a stalemate the Cheyenne, the Arapaho, and the Sioux. Once again, the United States, both these wars, the Dakota War and the Colorado War, 1860-1865, were fought during the Civil War. The United States was fighting the United States, uh, its various diverse Native American tribes, as well as its own colonies that were rebelling against it for greater freedoms and, um, and ideals that were against the free Masonic, Federalist-controlled, totalitarian military state. Um, they were seen as the enemy, but these Cheyenne, the Arapaho, and the Sioux were geographically not part of the South. So they have rewritten both of these conflicts to occur simultaneously with the, with the Civil War, but not be directly related to each other. But we're led to believe that the United States, while fighting for its very existence from the Confederacy um, during the Union, was also finding enough time to kill Cheyenne, Arapaho, and Sioux Indians... Uh, for military territory and the northern part of the American borders with Canada, just because that's just business of the day. No, the entirety was always fight and kill Native Americans. The British Empire needs mercenaries in 1863 to 1864 as well. So while the Civil War is raging, the United States, British Empire, Dutch Empire, and French Empire forces go to Indonesia... And fight the Choshi Domain and the Kanmon Straits. Right after this, 
to, to just take that in. They went to Indonesia, and now we're looped into being the British mercenaries, the Marines, the U.S. Navy, etc. In this international conquest of the Pacific Ocean at the same time. Uh, goes back to Oregon, Nevada, California, and Idaho, formerly Asiatic, proto-Chinese uh, ethno-civilizations, uh, the Phoenicians and the Scythians, and they fight the Snake War. Remember, the Dragon War, Dragons of China, Snake War. The, the, the Plains Indians, these Plains Indians have their root in the same culture that worshipped the Snake Brotherhood, that became the Asiatic tribes of Korea, China, and Japan. But they go back to the root. Oregon, Nevada, California, and Idaho. The United States fight the Paiute, the Shoshone, and the Bannock. And they fight them for four years. Until it becomes the Powder River War. Or, sorry, until, again... Uh, with victory, while they're fighting this war, they're fighting the Powder River War with the Sioux, the Cheyenne, and the Arapaho. Again, in Dakota. So they're fighting now full-on in the West, unrestricted warfare against Native American tribes. Either simultaneously or directly after the so-called end of the quote-unquote civil war. Now keep in mind that the Powder River War and um, gets the Sioux, the Cheyenne, and the Arapaho was a defeat for the United States Freemasons. But overwhelmingly, every war that has been fought since in this until this era, which is remember, this is current with the Civil War. This is current with the war against the Native Americans has been a victory for the Freemasonic War Machine. But now we have a few defeats concurrent with the Civil War, and that could be because the resources were spread too thin, uh, multi-front type situation, but also at the same time, um, it gives away an illusion to the peoples themselves and this unique history with the Sioux Indians specifically. I believe that these were um, the origins of the Skinwalker and or the Wendigo. The Wendigo Berserkers are the skinwalker-type uh, shaman who could, um, you know, shapeshift and are possess the qualities of animals as well as the uh, Lakota, for example, having dog soldiers, which were the Yanaglanche, not the skin, not, not the sorry, skinwalkers of Skinwalker Ranch fame. Uh, but the Yanagranche, which are Native American versions of werewolves, are Viking berserkers, which was uh, their cultural Scythian or Scythian heritage. And they proved to be too powerful of uh, raiders and plainsmen of the South Dakota Great Grass Sea, is what they call it. They call it the Great Grass Sea. These were the wars, for example, with the famous um, Custer's Last Stand Massacre, as well as eventually the Ghost Dance phenomenon and the uh, genocide of the mass murder of Wounded Knee would be happening in the same front, the war front, as it proceeds. But two defeats, back-to-back, two defeats from 1865 to 1868, 
uh, in two different wars, the Powder River War and Red Clouds War. Uh, two United States uh, uh, defeats against the Native American populations. Um, <clears throat> the Comanche Campaign in the West, uh, continuing to, to fight the Cheyenne, the Arapaho, and then the survivors of the are the different elements of the Comanche from the Comanche Wars. Um, the United States of America has better luck in the deserts, and I believe, or in the Western United States plains areas, and I believe it's because of the proximity towards the cities. And, um, of course, after the Civil War and the concentration of resources, the Mudok War, or the Modoc War, 1872 to 1873, California and Oregon against the Modoc nations, uh, the United States military defeats them and gains complete control over California and Oregon. The Red River War in Texas begins in 1874 and rages till 1875, with the now United States, uh, United States, uh, the state of Texas now in the United States, battling against the Cheyenne Nation. Now remember this name, the Cheyenne Nation, which is in a lot of these new conflicts here, being a Western tribe, a new tribe almost. Um, of confederated survivors from previous Indian wars seeking revenge against the United States. Cheyenne, the Arapo, the Comanche, and the Kiowa launch another jihad against the state of Texas and um, are defeated after uh, two years by the combined force of the United States and the Ar Texas Rangers. Las Cuevas War Texas and Mexico, United States, um, fights the organized criminal bandits that make up the uh, northern Mexico uh, wastelands, basically, that are run from ranching families of aristocrats, etc., that have great material wealth but seek uh, even more through just basically illegal means. It's Catholic versus Protestant, raiding and skirmishes on a border um, with Texas you know, being a part now of the United States, it all becomes part of the United States' responsibility to defend them. But further incursions of Mexico uh, produce victories for the United States there. The Great Sioux War of 1876, Montana, Dakota, and Wyoming. The United States of America versus the Lakota, the Dakota Sioux, Northern Cheyenne, and the Arapaho. The United States this time defeating the Sioux and the Lakota as well as the Northern Cheyenne. In this second half of the 20th century's Indian Wars, um, remember the Lakota Dog Soldiers and the Great Dakota Sioux Wendigo, or the Ghost Dance, and the Wendigo Spirit. Of the Cheyenne. Now... This is all happening in the American Southwest, so remember they're fighting literally on the ancient ruins of these empires still. Now, just filling in the interior gaps from the coasts which have now been secured and which are pumping in resources connecting these states. So it's basically like you're filling in a giant square of territory with color. Now, 
people don't know about how massive the United States truly is. It is a vast and vast area. Um, almost impossible to cross on foot. This is why these encroachments are tiered and staggered like they are. It always inevitably results in conflict with the natives. The Buffalo Hunters War. Texas and Oklahoma, the United States government versus the Comanche and the Apache. Told you, this is still a part of the greater Apache Wars. This is still a part of the greater Comanche Wars. But these are the campaigns now focusing on destruction of Buffalo. And the mass culling and killing of Buffalo. To reduce any possible resources, livestock and food items. For example, destroy the economy, the lifestyle of these Native American resistance fighters. From the invader, the foreign invader, the imperialist of the Freemason. The Niz Pierce War. Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. The United States versus a Native American tribe known as the Nez Pierce and the Palouse. Another group of desert rebels crushed under the boot heel from Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana and what's known as the Badlands by the further encroaching and iron grip of the American Semitic native lands that the Freemasons view as holy lands and have thus made national parks and monuments to that area. The Bannock War. Idaho, Oregon, and Wyoming. The United States. <clears throat> Much of the same. Bannock, Soshone, Paiute. <clears throat> different Viking family clan style systems that they are fighting and getting into wars with that only last for seasons. Cheyenne War. 1878-1879. Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Montana. A massive front against the Cheyenne. This time seeking to crush them in their homes and their occupied small towns and cities across the entire vastness of the great American plains and desert. Um, and effective at such. And it's what's known as a Napoleonic uh, invasion. A massive uh, mobilized infantry division or cavalry and uh, with cavalry and artillery, fully, fully technological superiority, and just absolute blitzkrieg the Cheyenne and took them over, who were operating as an independent nation across territories from Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, and westward into Montana. That's a massive amount of land. The United States drove them from then and then subjugated them to uh, reservations afterwards. <clears throat> the Sheep Eater Indian War. 1879, Idaho, United States versus the Shoshone. Uh, this is a greater allusion to a phenomenon that happened in American history between cattle ranchers and sheep ranchers, known as the barbed wire wars. Once again, organized crime was completely how the West was colonized in the form of ranches and uh, stockades and, and owners of livestock against farmers, etc., the different towns that had merged and uh, interests like mining, etc., versus the railroads, or uh, with the railroads and the railroads versus the populations, etc. Um, the combination of banks and the governor rulership and the state encroaching to the Federalist Freemason system versus the literal settlers themselves um, with the Native Americans thrown in. 
The barbed wire war was absolutely between the beef ranchers, the ranchers of cattle and steers, um, and a cattle-based economy versus the sheep herders and the shepherds that had come from many different regions of the world bringing their ancient traditions of shepherding. Now, this, I feel, is very telling symbolically because the Freemasons, believing in the ancient Egyptian system of Semitic magic, worship the ox. They worship cows. They worship the bull, specifically the bull. And just like how in the Old Testament they started worshiping a golden calf that they had constructed right after the Exodus, they wanted the only beef, the only meat source to be the kosherly approved beef. Not pork and not sheep, but beef. Which is a very aristocratic and totalitarian type meat source. Um, the meat of royalty, for example, the symbol of royalty is beef. Texas, you know, being a Texan, I know that full well, the, the, the cow skull, the beef horns, the ox, the, the absolute attachment it has to Moloch, um, you know, all of that. So it's very telling, this is the Sheep Eater Indian War. Victorio's War, the United States and the government of Mexico versus the Apache. That's right, United States allied with Mexico to take out the Native American resistance group of the Apache who fought both United States and Mexico because Mexico was um, a puppet state at that point of the United States. The White River War. 1879-1880, Colorado, United States versus the Ute Indians in the White River area. United States crushing out a Native American's resistance against the encroachments of the, against the White River. Water supply, rivers, uh, drinking water, reservoirs, aquifers, all of that was prime real estate and exactly the objective that the Freemasons sought to control because if you control the water, you can control literally every aspect of life in the West, or in these wildlands. Um, you know, water is life. Water is key to life. And the w white man settlements were only possible with the redirection and control of this water supply away from <coughs> the original settlements that the Native Americans called home. Their farm systems, their irrigation ditches had to be blocked up, dammed up by force sometimes, and the water redirected. Uh, entire lakes were drained, entire canyons were created, uh, rivers were redirected. It's completely impossible with engineering, which is a, a, an engineering as a resource with the resources industrial engineering that the Native Americans simply did not have because they were the survivors of a society that previously had created all the waterways, all the riverways, all the previous aqueducts that had kept America alive, pristine during a much different environment, uh, I assume of even greater uh, <coughs> rainfall even because of the way that things were set up as naturally just receiving and processing natural rainwater. And there appears to be a great desertification of the United States currently, um, especially since the Great Plains and the Great Deserts are very, very lowly populated, and they have very little in terms of adapted life before them. Pine Ridge Campaign, 1890 to 1891. South Dakota, United States versus the Sioux Indian. This was kind of a death nail in the uh, in the, the corpse of the Sioux as it was being crucified during the very late end of the 20th century. Uh, the Pine Ridge Campaign, I believe, also has the events, or soon will have the events of uh, Wounded Knee, which was the mass execution of Sioux protesters 
uh, hoping to use their shamanic uh, energies to curse, literally curse the development of the United States and the progress of the Freemasonic uh, institution that it truly was. <coughs> so the execution of the last remaining uh, resistance uh, personified through their shamanic occult holy men. The Garza Revolution, again, Texas and Mexico, 1891 to 1893. The Garzistas, Mexico and the United States, defeated the Garzista Independent Movement, which was based against what? An organized criminal band of wealthy aristocratic landowners of northern Mexico that operated the bandits clan. So they had armies, literally armies worth of bandits, which is what they called the militiamen and the irregulars, the partisan fighters. That were they on their payroll. They were an organized criminal cartel seeking to undermine these Southwest and, and Mexican authorities. The Yaqui Wars, 1896 to 1918, Arizona and Mexico. The United States government and the Mexican government fights the Yaqui, the Pima, and the Opata. Native American tribes. Now remember, this is getting into literally the fringest of the fringe of the Arizona and Mexico border, which is no man's land, seeking to eradicate any native tribes, no matter the cost. For they had knowledge of the ancient world that needed to be exterminated. 1898 to 1899 sees America's involvement in the Foreign Second Samoan Civil War, a proxy war between the British Empire and Germany, involving Samoa, the island colonies, into inconclusive results. But once again, another proof that the British were using the United States purely as a mercenary corp at that point, a corps at that point. Spanish-American War, 1898, Cuba, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, and Guam. An international war, given our experience in traveling internationally, gained from the Samoan Civil War, no doubt, that saw that, and other uh, the Boxer Revolution, etc., that the United States, the Cuban revolutionaries, and the Philippine revolutionaries overthrew the monarchies of Spain, arguably at that point the weakest of the colonial powers, to usurp and take over and gain an international empire, all within 100 years from with forming as a true nation, a little bit over 100 years and some change of forming as an actual nation, now having a literal international empire of colonies stretching into the Pacific Ocean, into the Caribbean, and all for the taking, now that the nation had been subjugated and conquered with the destruction of the Sioux, one of the last remaining uh, Native American tribes in America. The Philippine-American War would follow from 1899 to 1906 with the United States fighting the Philippine Republic, the Empire of Japan, and the Tagalog Republic over control of the Philippines victoriously. The Moro Rebellion of 1899 and 1913, the United States, the Moro, and the remnants of the Sula Sultanate 
Once again, an Islamic power. In the Philippines being crushed by the headhunters of the United States Navy and their Marine Corps. With the less known, the because many people don't know this, but people need to know this. The end of all of the century, 1899 to 1901, saw the Boxer Rebellion. And Britain, the Empire of Japan, which we had just engaged in war with, actually were engaging in war with in the Philippines. Um, the United States, Italy, Germany, France, Russia, and Portugal all allied to take out the Empress of China who had started resisting their opium hijacking uh, hijacking of China with its opium trade and holding the country itself hostage with its military technology and foreign uh, shipping, its, its foreign international colony system and that the United States Marine Corps was the first foreign military force to successfully invade the forbidden city in Beijing. That the first foreign flag to ever fly over the imperial Chinese walls was a United States Stars and Stripes flag. And that America's war machine, sharpened and finely tuned, well experienced through a century of non-stop ethnic cleansing and territorial conquest of imperial control over its own native populations from its Freemasonic cadre of Federalists ruling from Washington, D.C., all 50 of the states that eventually would be created and the many hundreds if not thousands of diverse survivors and tribes of the ancient world to conquer them to bind them in a system of mental slavery by rewriting their history due to the fact that the victors have that right History is written by the victors. The victors go the spoils. All ancient technology, all the ancient cities, all the ancient reality and truth is now the much-coveted secret of the Freemasonic elite of the New World Order that we know as the Breakaway Civilization, which rules through its occult principles and bodies, its many different secret societies, internationally, from its bases within the United States. Bases that no doubt took over from the ancient world after some great cataclysm and apocalypse creating order out of chaos. But having exterminated and destroyed, defeated, imprisoned, and silenced the vast majority of the other survivors in rewriting the history of the world as a reflection of this event, within the last one, or last 200 years 
beginning with its inception in 1776, or 776, if you depend on that dating. More accurately, that's 776, the timeline, the phantom time hypothesis, being accurate, and extending from the 18th century to the 19th century in its first half. I have just read out a complete list of its many obscure wars, of its many different directions and advancements, as well as the realities for these conflicts when it comes to the new world order date with destiny that America has as a base for the rewriting of the world itself. Away from the truth that this is biblical lands, that this is literally the holy land from the ancient world, Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Mesisis, the Mississippi River, and its origins is the Nile, the Garden of Eden being located in Florida, Egypt being uh, located across America, uh, with civilizations dating back to the very earliest and first days of mankind, as well as the origins of many of the world, uh, native species such as elephants and um, you know horses, etc. Root of all civilization, the cradle of all civilization being in North America um, and extending outward southward to South America. And this actually being the truth that will set you free because it all starts lining up where the ancient technology came from, ourselves discovering it through the ancient reptilian cities that existed um, throughout the continent and especially coming from the jungle areas, but also going into the 20th century and the explanation for our involvement in the wars that we are involved in and the positions that we are involved in because it's all a matter of conquest and silencing and censorship and recreation and rewriting for the Freemasonic elite that rule through the Pentagon, that rule through the U.S. military. And remember, the most important thing to take away back to this first part of the series is that the Civil War was not a matter of the Union trying to free the slaves and prevent the Confederacy from being an evil, racist empire of segregation and white supremacy, but rather the United States federal government, with international assistance, suppressed a nationwide rebellion for freedom, a revolution against the slave state that the United States had endorsed and created since its inception as they were members of allied United States Native American tribes and nations along with the Confederate States and citizens of the Confederacy and the Confederate States of America pursuing the same goals of freedom and self-direction of independence itself and liberty until they were destroyed by the Freemasonic Union. Using advanced technology and little more than slave soldiers. This concurrent with their Wars in the West and the North and the South against Native Aboriginal societies, 
rival European powers, and the Catholic faith. Thank you all for listening to uh, my descriptions and listing of the Freemasonic history, or at least the Freemasonic military's history of the 18th and 19th century. Um, I will be, this is part one, I will be back for part two, and uh, we'll be describing the 20th and 21st centuries wars and their real reasons now that I've established the foundations for how the United States uh, itself was created as well as the heritage and, and agenda of the United States military and its many different wars and campaigns. Over 58 wars I covered in this last episode. Over 58 wars in 100 years plus, like some change. 120 years. 58 non-stop wars of genocide, of destruction, and of conquest. Committed by the Freemasons and their military, which we know as the United States of America's military. Thank you all for listening. Thank you everyone out there in Dreamland. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you, each and every one of you out there in Dreamland, for supporting me. Those who have, follow Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan for all the links, all the websites. Sometimes they get shut down. Sometimes they make new ones. Uh, all the web activities on there. You can find addresses and links to the podpage.com slash Beyond Top Secret Texan webpage with just one click. You can bookmark it. You can always find it again. Um, Twitter, Telegram group, it's all on there. All you got to do is explore that page a little bit. Thank you all very much. Um, you know, peace out. God bless you and your families.